can elect someone this unqualified. And to think this man is infinitely more qualified than his vice president. <laughs> you know, it's one, there's, there's a lot of reasons that I'm uh, opposed to what we do in America, just uh, uh, this representative government where it's one person, one vote. The overwhelming preponderance of people, and it's probably 99% of people, aren't qualified to vote. They know very little about business, and most of the legislators are trying to make decisions which they're unqualified to make about business. And they have mm -hmm. utterly destroyed America's business. Um, America is soon to be bypassed by China in terms of uh, of economics, they're already bypassed us by a long shot in manufacturing. America basically now is a service economy. Uh, they don't understand uh, economics. They wouldn't know the difference between uh, a capitalist system, communist, or, uh, or socialist. They are incapable of rationally evaluating a debate. They don't understand uh, history. They don't understand that our founding fathers were exceedingly critical of democracy and that the history of democracy is exceedingly bleak. They don't do any fact-checking to know if anybody's telling the truth or not. They're easily swayed by propaganda, uh, stories that are mm -hmm. promoted in the news Focus. by the echo chamber that have no basis in truth. It, it, just to read something like this and you realize this writer for this uh it's the bbc is where this thing appeared is also incapable of evaluating the, the realization this man can no longer think everything they counted on upset quote everything they counted on upset but most of it is a consequence of 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 what's happening what happened is a consequence of the the covid crisis so the first statements everything they counted on is upset everything they counted on is no longer viable everything they counted on has been overturned everything they counted on turned out not to be true yeah, welcome to the office, Joe. But most of it's a consequence of, of, of what's happening. Most of it is a consequence of what's happening. This is the President of the United States. What's happened is a consequence of the, the COVID crisis. The COVID crisis was manufactured. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a virus, uh, COVID-19 virus, absolutely. Came out of the Wuhan lab in uh, China. China played a major role in that virus uh, sickening uh, millions upon millions of people. Uh, long COVID is a very real consequence of, of this for mm -hmm. many people. They suffer for long periods of time after uh, having the disease. It's overall 
virility is much greater than the uh, uh, common flu. Its mortality, as it will turn out, is exactly the same as the flu, about one in a thousand. And for those who would say, oh, no, the evidence is more, no, 96% of those people who are labeled having died of COVID had at least three other comorbidities that would have killed them. And so COVID was just a contributor among three other things. Uh, Also, the overwhelming majority of people who contracted the virus were asymptomatic and therefore would have had no reason to be tested. Therefore, the number of people that got COVID-19 is probably five times greater than the number that are reported having tested positive for it. And so when you adjust the number that actually got it, and the numbers who died of it, as opposed to some other complication, about one in a thousand, which is the number I said it was going to be within the first month that we were exposed to this disease. And as it turned out, that those uh, states and countries that uh, did not shut their business down, did not mandate social distancing, and told people to stay at home, changing people's livelihood and liberty, uh, did better than those that were uh, draconian. And not only that, as it turned out, the, uh, as we predicted, now this is during the first month of uh, COVID. I both wrote it in the book that I was uh, writing at the time and also spoke about it on this program. I said that the negative consequence of the way that we are overreacting to COVID, depriving people of livelihood and liberty, is going to have a far more dire consequence than the mortality of the disease itself. And we're seeing the consequence of that in mental illness, and that's why there's a rash of mass shootings. We're seeing that in a huge uptick in suicides. We're seeing that in a huge upswing in spousal abuse. We're seeing it in uh, an increase in alcoholism. We're seeing it in a huge increase of deaths to uh, drugs like fentanyl and drug abuse. We're seeing it in the sense that Americans are more drugged with legal prescription drugs, both mind-altering psychiatric drugs and painkillers, than ever before and by a considerable margin. Hmm. Plus, we destroyed our economy. We destroyed our, the supply chains because, as I said at the time, you cannot micromanage the economy. You cannot say that one business is vital and essential and another is not because they're all interrelated. And to attempt, as these nincompoops did, to say who could work and who could not work rendered our economy impotent. And then with all of the money that we have subsequently spent trying to jumpstart the economy that we killed, we destroyed our currency. And we have roaring inflation while we're headed for a recession. If you could write a script for stupidity uh, and malfeasance as uh, a political leader, the only thing you could add to this that would be worse is to bait the country that has the most nuclear weapons into going to war because, well, you want to war. 
you want another country to serve as a proxy so you can send them billions upon billions of dollars of weapons so they can use those weapons to attack a country that you don't like their leader. And that's what we have done, sending fuel prices soaring, sending food prices soaring, and causing famines around the world. Millions of people are going to die as a direct result of this stupidity. But that's where we are. So it is, uh, it is with a heavy heart that um, we, uh, we talk about how, uh, how devastating things are. This uh, idiot that uh, has the title of President of the United States, and that means that idiots voted for him, People lost their jobs. No, they didn't lose their jobs. The jobs were taken away from them. It was all because of liberal politicians. People are out of their jobs. Again, a direct consequence of the overreaction to COVID. And then they are going, uh, and then were, were they going to get back to school? It's hard to read this because the grammar is not correct. And then were they going to get back to work? Schools were closed. It's just hard to to even think about how uh, such a man uh, could speak to an audience and anyone would listen to him. Yeah, it was the liberal politicians that closed the schools, and it was the liberal school boards, uh, not school boards, the teachers associations that uh, wouldn't allow them to reopen. And because the school board, schools were closed, which was a, uh, a babysitting method for, um, uh, for parents. Workers. Mm-hmm. Yep, that uh, people couldn't go to work. And there's so many businesses were shut down, and they had so many rules as to how many people you could allow into your business. People were out of jobs. Yeah, it was a great what we did. Uh, all because so few people understand the basics, and you have people who have no business voting, voting to steal money from people who are productive so that those who are unproductive uh, may have it. Can I ask a quick question on economics while we're just yeah. before we go into the uh, thing? Uh, we've got, you know, the Fed's been just raised the basis points, 75.75. You've got stocks and bonds usually would go down, but they, they have a, they've actually, um, there's money to be made. I mean, people are going to move there. I'm told people are going to move from outside of the country will move their money into bonds here because they're going to pay higher. How the heck can we pay higher? You know, we talked about this years ago. If they ever let the if they ever let the interest rates go up, right. they have to pay more money on the bonds. We we right. have trillions now of debt, and and oh, about thirty five uh, trillion. Yeah, so thirty five trillion uh, at uh, at ten percent interest uh, adds three point five trillion to the national debt each year 
even if we don't do stupid things like spend a few trillion here and there on um, on ridiculous programs. How can the dollar survive? It, it just can't. Yeah, unable to accept responsibility, he said. If it's my fault, he said, why is it the case in every other industrial country in the world that inflation is higher? You ask yourself that. I'm not being a wise guy. That's for darn sure you're not being a wise guy. We can agree on that. Now, inflation is a, uh, is a direct result of, uh, of a singular factor. If you increase the money supply, you have mm-hmm. more dollars chasing uh, the same amount of goods. And so if you change the currency that is used to value goods by increasing the amount of it, then the apparent cost of each product will increase in direct proportion to the amount you increased the monetary supply. Uh, It's just the math of it. So Mm -hmm. the reason we have inflation in America is because we grossly increase the monetary supply with these lavish spending programs. So we created the illusion of money to fund these programs, and therefore we had to make more of the currency that is being used to price the products in that economy. And so it's not a factor of things becoming more expensive. It's a factor of the money becoming worth less. It's a really simple concept. But he obviously does not understand that concept and wants to shuffle blame. Now, the fact is that of the industrialized countries in the world, most of them are parliamentary systems. Most of them have elected uh, liberal-leaning politicians. And even those that have somebody that is considered by the media to be conservative, which is very, very few of them, uh, it is conservative only by modern interpretations. in the sense that Republicans today are huge spenders. And so a Republican today would be, would be so far left of a average Democrat 20 years ago in terms of big government and, uh, and big spending. Uh, but most are, ex- are liberals like um, Biden. And so many of them did the same thing although most of them do not have as egregious a problem as we have. It is your fault, Joe. And economics is a very simple thing. I recognize that you think you can shift the blame because the people who vote for you don't work, don't think, and all they want to do is to rob the productive so that they might have more money. That said, let's turn to uh, God's assessment of his people because it's about as uh, uplifting uh, as my evaluation of uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Here's what uh, God says, and I'm going to backtrack 
one statement uh, uh, or two from where we were at the conclusion of our program last week. People, um, family, by having decided to associate yourselves with misleading shepherds and perverted rulers, ra'ah, by you continually electing to form an association with errant and disingenuous leaders and especially befriending harmful and destructive associates called imperative, which means it's subject to second-person volition. You have chosen of your own volition to be confused, to be divided, to be separated, to be terrorized, to be scattered. You have consistently decided your own fate which is to be genuinely intimidated, bewildered, and dismayed, separated, and shattered. So by choosing to listen and respond to every distant land and far-off country, you are asking for war and must independently arm yourself for your defense. And you will have chosen your own fate which is to be terrorized, to be bewildered, to be divided, and to be broken. Yeshaya 8-9. He's speaking to Jews today. He's saying that they're they're listening to, they have decided to associate with misleading shepherds and perverted rulers. Look at Netanyahu, for example. He will undermine the thing he allegedly cares the most about, which is Jews being allowed to live in Judea and Sumeria by telling everyone in his party to vote against them being treated as if they were citizens of Israel. Also, he can bring down the government that was formed because they can't stand him. And then... On top of all of that, he is out trying to bribe key members of the coalition by giving promises to them of high-ranking posts within his government should they renege on their agreement to support the current government and support him, which, by the way, is a crime in Israel. Not that Netanyahu cares because, well, that would show up fourth, fifth, or sixth on the current list that he is defending against. And you have the current government with Bennett having come to power by forming a parliamentary government on the basis of inviting absolute ideological foes, extreme right-wing conservatives, next to extreme left-wing progressives, along with the Muslim parties Mm -hmm. who have vowed the destruction of Israel. Those are your political leaders, and they're infinitely better than your religious leaders. Israel. God has your number. 
And let me tell you, it's disconnected. You have chosen to be confused and divided, terrorized and scattered. It is because they are not Torah observant. It's because they're not listening to Yahweh. It's because they wrote Yahweh out of their lives and have for better part of 3,000 years that they have been confused, divided, terrorized, and scattered. And you would think that since this is in the book of Yashaya, Isaiah, on display, uh, yes, you know, if he's it, absolute worst case, if you were prioritizing prophets, in absolute worst case, he'd come in third, right? Yeah. Prophets in the history yeah. of the world. Okay, numero uno, unquestioned leader, Moshe. All right. Mm-hmm. By the way, Moshe says the same thing. Number two, it's either Yashaya or Dode. Yeah. One of the two. So, a top three prophet of Yahuwah, one of your own, speaking your language, in the history of mankind, says that you have decided to associate yourself with misleading shepherds and perverted rulers, and by having done so, you have, by your own volition, confused and divided yourselves, terrorized and scattered yourselves, and not one person, not in nearly 3,000 years, can say, hmm, wait a minute, huh. hmm. this seems to be speaking about us. Why do we continue to do this? Do you think maybe somebody, one person would say, perhaps we ought to try something different? So by choosing to listen and respond to every distant land and far-off country, you are asking for war. The United States asked for war. We gave Russia no alternative. If this is your first time listening to this program, I've done many, many programs on this. In fact, I began to speak of this way back in 19, uh, 2013 during the Obama mm-hmm. administration when we, the United States, overturned deliberately using neo-Nazis, the property elected government of the Ukraine, specifically so that we could salvage NATO and continue to have influence in Europe. And immediately thereafter, two of Lindsey Graham and, uh, and John McCain of the Republican side of the aisle's leading senators, are on video in the Ukraine telling them that we want them to go to war against Russia, that their war will be our war, and that we will equip them so that they can become victorious. We're telling the Ukraine we want them to be our patsies. We want them to fight a proxy war against Russia, a country with the most nuclear weapons. It is so insane that it's impossible to believe that it wasn't deliberate. And of course, with Israel striving to be in Europe, the United Nations, and the Islamic world, with the United States, with China, has caused Israel to 
invite war. China's no friend. It will betray them. America's no friend. Yeah, I was made that really clear. America mm-hmm. will betray them. Biden administration is already betraying them. Europe hates them. The Muslim nations would rather see them dead. So you're inviting war, and what God is saying is that as we approach the time of Jacob's trouble, that you're on your own. Well, up to the point of you being annihilated, because I made a promise, God speaking, to Abraham to restore the covenant relationship with a remnant of the people. And so after they have done considerable damage in the Magog War and then later in Armageddon, yeah, well, we'll intervene twice to save the nation, but, but barely, and only a remnant. As a matter of fact, as I have been translating for volume eight now of Yada Yahweh, the, uh, the number that of Jews who are likely to um, capitalize on Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah, October in 2033 is 7,000. That's, that's why I wrote now. Yeah. One in 200,000. It's uh, not encouraging, folks. Uh, and it is because Still, you're not willing to listen. God has told you in every possible way. I was uh, writing today. Um, in fact, I've spent the entire week in uh, the Jezreel Valley. Who would have thought I'd spend a week in the Jezreel Valley? And I'm not even close to getting out of it. Uh, the reason I'm in the Jezreel Valley is that the book of Hosha, which is the uh, is the cornerstone, really, of uh, of volume eight of uh, Yada Yada, which is what I'm, I'm editing mm-hmm. now. Well, it begins with uh, the 81st Mismore, which is really interesting. And, and then it delves deeply into the waters of Meribah, which is a, an amazing, amazing story. Uh, and, and I think perhaps for the first time in a couple of thousand years, I'm able to share with readers precisely what that story is all about. Uh, and then as I moved into this new chapter, uh, Hosha, uh, well, speaking through Hosha, Yahweh uh, condemns Yisrael and is going to divorce Yisrael based on the events which transpired in the Jezreel Valley. Rather than just say, you know, here's the six or seven things that transpired there, I thought it would be worthwhile to tell those stories. I began with the most gruesome of them, uh, which is uh, King uh, Ahab and uh, Jezebel and their Mm -hmm. promotion of the Canaanite gods, Baal, the Lord, and Asherah, uh, fortuitous relationships. and, uh, of course, Elia's commanding performance uh, before them. And then subsequently, what happened to those individuals and what God has to say about those events. And, uh, and so that, those translations became you know, 15, 20 pages. Uh, 
And after that, I decided, you know, the first time something that approaches the Jezreel Valley is mentioned, uh, it's, uh, it's when Yahweh says, when you go into the promised land, there are these two mountains here, uh, Gezerim and, and, uh, and Ebal. And what I want you to do is I want you to divide yourself so that you can, on one mountain, proclaim the benefits and the blessings of, uh, of the covenant relationship, and on the other, speak about the renunciations and the curses uh, that will occur if you don't listen. And so Moshe, in the 11th chapter of Debatim, and I ended up translating the whole chapter because it is so powerful. Moshe goes through and says, you know, this is what it is, folks. I'm just going to make it real simple. You know, he talks about the fact that uh, while you have witnessed Yahweh do all these things, your future descendants will not have seen him do these things. And so the only hope for them is for you to understand what God did, what he is asking, what he is offering, what the Torah actually says, what it is is teaching you, and then for you to come to understand that and teach it to your children. And if you listen to these instructions, then these following benefits will, will follow. And he gives this whole list of benefits. And, and if you don't, uh, you're going to be seen as worthless and um, seen as actually being counterproductive. And this is the, these are the curses. And so uh, I told that story because it is the microcosm. It is the black and white portrait of Israel. This was the best. This was the worst. Uh, and when you read how clear Moshe is in explaining that God despises religion and that if you choose to be religious, then you will be seen as worthless by God, rejected by him, and will suffer all of the negative consequences. And it's only by listening to the Torah and acting upon the actual Torah, and it keeps on saying, and the written Torah, written on a written scroll by Moshe, which eliminates the Talmud, uh, that mm-hmm. there is any hope for you. And of course, uh, Mount Ebal is, uh, is where uh, this takes place, one of the two mountains, and it tells Yosha, I want you to build an altar there. And, and many of you have read the article recently of, uh, of uh, not only has the altar that Yosha ben Nun built on Mount Ebal been located and unearthed. It's there exactly as it was described. And what are the odds of that if the story is not true? But there, they, and that altar dates to 1400 BCE, the time that Yosha would have been there. But most recently, through wet sifting of the uh, debris around the, uh, the altar, they found a one-inch-by-one-inch one lead tablet. And the one-inch-by-one-inch one lead tablet is inscribed on the front, back, and inside, and then folded over. And... The metallurgy from that tablet dates to a Greek mine in the uh, late Bronze Age to about 1400 BCE. And the inscription on that tablet does something that we had known existed but didn't have proof of. 
which is the original alphabet used to convey the Torah was this pictographic alphabet that we present in uh, the opening volume of An Introduction to God. That is the alphabet that is used on the lead tablet. And not only is that the alphabet, and not only does it present Yahweh's name, yod heh wah the uh, familiar form of uh, Yahweh, written in that ancient pictographic language with the hand reaching down and out, with the person uh, standing up, looking up, reaching up, with the tent peg. It actually states the curses, which is precisely what was to take place there 1,400 years ago. Now, the, the final peer-reviewed paper has not yet been presented. There have been two wonderful interviews that are recorded. You can listen to PEC 3 on this discovery. And, and then a, a marvelous paper that was written um, by an individual that says, uh, let's just cut to the chase. This is, this is what we've got. And, uh, and less proven otherwise, then thus far all the evidence leads to that it is, is, it's the real deal. It will be among, if not the, most significant archaeological finds of all time. And, of course, that was part of, uh, of this chapter because this is God's way of saying, I told you so. He has made this available to us way back into the Torah, 3,000. 450 years ago. And Jews claim to be Torah observant, and there isn't a single one of them on their own initiative that have read this and made the connection to say, wait a minute, he's speaking about us. And everything he said about us is true. We need to get out of this rut. And listen to what Yahweh actually says. By the way, uh, speaking mm-hmm. of uh, speaking of being confused and uh, uh, not being confused, but uh, listening to uh, distant, faraway lands, last week um, D, um, who is managing our the social media for Yada Yahweh and doing a, a marvelous job, uh, uh, ran her uh, outreach for the country, for Jews, and the country of Germany. And it was overwhelmingly the best response that uh, we have had to the uh, social media outreach. So, really, and it was uh, late at night, too. Thank you, yes. Thank you, uh, Germany, for, oh. uh, for listening and for responding. Uh, tonight, I think we're in uh, Denver with uh, the Jewish community in Denver. And that is our outreach. Listen, if you're a non-Jew, I am. Uh, you are, Kirk, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we're we're certainly Israelites by association. Uh, we are Yehudim by uh, by what the name Talking. means, uh, beloved uh, by Yah. Uh, but our ethnicity is uh, not as a descendant of Jacob, uh, Yishak, or Abraham, and uh, and it's so it's it is. Very simple. 
God has not changed ethnicities. He has not changed people. His outreach from the beginning to the end is the same people. It's Israel, uh, from which Yehudim, Jews, are a subset. That has not changed. It will never change. He is very mad at them. He is very disgusted at them, but he has not replaced them, and he will not replace them. And our primary purpose is to reach out to Yehudim, Jews, and Israelites, Israelites, for the express purpose of calling them home, calling them back to Yahweh. We're not calling them to a religion. We don't want them to convert to some cockamamie religion. We hate all religions and have been exceedingly forthright in condemning Christianity in the four volumes of questioning Paul and Islam in Prophet of Doom and Judaism throughout these Yadi Yahweh series. We're not calling Jews away from their politics and their religion to a different political ideology or a different religion. We're calling them out of politics and religion per God's instructions, per Moshe's instructions in the Torah, back home to Yahweh. And because Yahweh is very clear that those who have chosen to listen to him, whether they be uh, Goyim or Yehudim, they're welcome in his covenant family. And so our outreach is also to Goyim. But God has made a promise to Israelites, to the descendants of Abraham, and he intends to honor it, and we have been assigned the responsibility to do everything in our power, actually everything in Yahweh's power, to make the day of reconciliations as successful as possible. But unfortunately, you will have chosen your own fate, which is to be terrorized, bewildered, divided, and broken. You may want to devise your schemes based upon the revolting advice and counsel of others, but it will be nullified because you will have chosen to be in violation of the agreement. Parar. Choose to make your pronouncements. That's your will to do so. State your claims, but none of it will stand. Because truly, Emmanuel, God is with us. Sure, man's schemes are compelling, but they will all be thwarted by God. Religious words are spellbinding, but they are invalid. Weapons are powerful but they will not prevail because Emmanuel, God is with us. Moving on to Yeshaya, Isaiah 8:11, the text reads, for indeed, key. This is what Ko, Yahweh. For those of you who are chafing at the mention of Yahweh's name, let me make this point perfectly clear for you. Yahweh writes his name 7,000 times in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. His prophets pronounce his name. His name is written with the same 22 letters of every other word in the Hebrew language. And 
none of those are difficult to pronounce. There is very clearly five vowels and seventeenths in Hebrew, the four letters, three, one of which is repeated, the He, and Yahweh's name are all vowels. The pronunciation is clearly indicated by verbs like Haya. When God introduces himself to Moshe, he uses Haya, and Haya means to exist in the first person, I exist, Ihaya. Haya explains how to pronounce the Yod and the He, leaving only one letter for us to wonder how to pronounce the Wa. And of course, here we're speaking of the Torah. The O in Torah is from the Hebrew Wa. Shalom. The O in Shalom is from the Hebrew Wa. This is not difficult. All four letters are very easily pronounced. Yahweh's name is Yahweh. That is his only name. And if you don't know it, if you don't use it, if you are unfamiliar with it, if you do not love it, then you do not know God, and he does not know you, and you are therefore estranged from him. And being estranged from God is not a penalty. You, when you die, and you will die, your soul will simply vanish, evaporating into nothingness. No reward, no penalty. But if you are among the rabbis who is antagonistic towards God's name, who will write copious amounts, words upon words, stating their opinion, and those opinions never include Yahweh's name, well, you will not be so fortunate as to have your soul dissipate into nothingness. The rabbis are going to Sheol, the place they deny its existence. But Yahweh was very clear. Sheol exists it is akin to a black hole, a place of one dimension, essentially. And that dimension will be time. A time, a place of great darkness, of great gravity, where nothing escapes. That is the fate of rabbis. Now, they won't be alone. It will be a very religious and political place. For indeed, this is what Yahweh said to me in the manner akin to a strong and strengthening Chesqua hand influence, Yod, thereby teaching me so that I would be correct, Yasar Ani, thereby keeping me from walking in the ways of these peculiar people by saying, before I read what Yahweh said. There's some interesting insights here. Yahweh approaches us in strength. And he expects us to respond in kind. If you look at Yahweh's favorite person of all time, who was it? Dode. Was Dode a, a pussycat or a strong guy? No, he was a warrior. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the first first thing we we uh, learn of uh, of Dode is that he was able to tame demons and kill giants. Mm-hmm. Right after Yahweh uh, anoints him as Messiah, and 
tells us that his reasons for choosing Dode are unlike the way that we go about making our decisions. We learn that Dode, he's probably eight years old, is the only person that's capable of, of, well, he is there, at least in his presence, of chasing demons away, evil spirits, demons, demonic spirits. In uh, Dode's presence, they flee. And then, with one stone, the giant Philistine. In fact, the Philistine mocked him. He says, you know, what am I, a dog? that you would come uh, at me with a stick, where's your sword, where's your sword, kid? What? Just going to take this one stone. This is a, get a good look at it. It is the last thing you're going to see, pal. He's a strong man. He he defended Israel. By the way, he wasn't uh, vicious. He wasn't a bully. He didn't attack anybody that didn't have it coming. In fact, his... Fighting was always in defense of Yisrael. Perfect no. Flawed, yes. A lovable rascal. But God loves strength. Boy, if you look at Yashaya, he, he would go after him. You want to talk about strength, look at Elia. He looked at the king and queen like they were trash, spoke down to them as they were trash at a time when you did that sort of thing and you were dead. He confronted 850 prophets and mocked them. Yahweh loves doers. He likes strong individuals. He is strengthening and empowering. He is strong and resolute. The next word is so important. Yahweh wants to teach us so that we're correct. The single most important thing we can be relative to Yahweh, our God, is right. Dode, for example, was flawed. Flawed didn't get him into any trouble. He was right, which is why God loved him so. So many people have been fooled into thinking that being obedient is something that God loves when he never once asks us to obey him. So many people think that if we pray without ceasing, somehow that's going to please God when he never asks us to pray. Some people think that if we worship God and fear him, that that is what sets us apart and on the express track to heaven when God never condones worship, ever, bowing down or prayer, and certainly does not want to be feared. What God wants is us to be right about him, and the only way we can be right about him is when we listen to his teaching. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, Torah does not mean law. It means to teach. Thereby teaching me so that I can be correct. Thereby keeping me from walking. Men halak. Halakha has been corrupted into Jewish religious law. It means to walk, to go, to travel through life, to conduct your life in a certain way. Of these peculiar people saying, I do not want you to continually or consistently speak of. It's Loamar. I am opposed to you making a habit of claiming or declaring, even of designating something as responding to 
call imperfect pedagogic none is how this was scribed where the intent is for us to view this warning literally recognizing that there is a problem with consistency and aggressively promoting wait for it conspiracies Isn't that amazing conspiracies I do not want you to continually or consistently speak of conspiracies. Anything nebulous about that? Anything about that that says, well, maybe, uh, maybe there's an exception over here. Do you know that conspiracy is the fastest growing religion worldwide? Do you know that 40% of people worldwide believe in one type of conspiracy or another? Conspiracy is more popular than Christianity, more popular than Islam. Conspiracy is the very thing that has caused Jews to be persecuted for so long. The number one, oldest, and overriding conspiracy of all time is blame the Jews. Conspiracy is the religion of absolute idiots. When they do scholastic studies of those who are into their conspiracies, what they find is that they're liberal and conservative, they're young and old, they're all different races, they're all different nationalities, they're all different income levels. They only have one thing in common. Their lives are unfulfilling, and they want someone else to blame for their problems. Chemtrails, conspiracy vaccination being tracking devices or government plots to poison people, utter and complete conspiracy. 9-11 being an inside job, stupid conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that mass shootings are false flags and government actors. I'll ask uh, Alex Jones how well that one flew for him. He is now bankrupt. Conspiracy. Uh, reptilian overlords and flat earth. Okay, okay. There's some, there's some fun with those things. Uh, UFOs. Conspiracy. Um, these things are conspiracies. Um, I, protocols of the elders of Zion. Conspiracy. A fact that, that the white supremacists that go around saying that Uh, Jews are trying to uh, annihilate uh, the white race and that uh, they are are in control of the world's politics and media. All untrue, all conspiracy. In fact, the opposite is true. There's a lot of reasons that God doesn't want us to promote conspiracies. The single most important of them is preceding this statement. In the text, I am teaching you so that you can be correct. If you're going to succumb to the dumbest ideas in the world today, then you can't be taught. Then evidence and reason don't mean anything to you. And if you have people promoting stupidity like conspiracies in proximity to these words, to the words of Yahweh, it causes them to lose their credibility just by association. 
It's very serious. Don't do it. I would say there's another reason. It isn't worth the effort. I remember that uh, was probably uh, 10, 15 years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. I was tracking the, the legacy between Adam Weishaupt, who uh, um, conceived the, uh, the Order of the Alums uh, for the purpose of overturning uh, the Holy Roman Empire, if you will, the, uh, the influence of the Roman Catholic Church and the integration within the royalty of Europe, uh, where one reinforced the, uh, the other uh, and uh, created uh, a horrible situation, a, a, a Lord Serf um, uh, continuation, really, of the caste system throughout Europe. And he was right in opposing it, but wrong in the way that he went about it, because what he essentially said is that I want to establish the enlightened over what became uh, mostly a, a communist approach to uh, to life, but uh, how the the enlightened read the progressives, the, those who know many things but understand nothing, to be in charge. So it's just replacing one group with another. It's like uh, they are, they had this tremendous influence uh, in. Uh, with the Jacobins, well, actually, with the they were called Jacobins because they made met in Jacob's Hall in uh, in France, uh, and overturned the uh, French monarchy, uh, and replaced it with a, a bunch of lying zealots. And you know, people die. And so I traced it uh, through uh, it's uh, how it uh, infiltrated the uh, Freemasonry movement and who were the Freemasons and. Uh, none dare call it conspiracy, and uh, uh, A. Burrell's book on uh, memoirs uh, and history of Jacobinism. And, and a fascinating read as to how it initially propagated. And then uh, Quigley's book is so complicated, but what you quickly find out, Tragedy and Hope, I think, is Quigley's book. What you quickly find out is that these are amorphous strands that that don't connect well and that many of them were designed to be to stay hidden and the amount of energy that is required to connect all these organizations and to see who is doing what to whom and who is in charge of them and and where they're trying to take the world uh, and projecting what you think they're doing takes you away from things that are meaningful, like listening to Yahweh in the Torah. And so after having spent better part of a year reading everything I could, what I finally found out is that you really can't trace it from one to another to another and make any definitive uh, conclusions about how the Council on Foreign Relations may or may not be involved or how they... Uh, World Economic Forum may or may not be uh, involved or which strategies they may or may not be using. Um, and quite honestly, it's the least of our problems. Mm-hmm. And I, am, I have been racking my brain trying to understand how it is possible that the overwhelming preponderance of the world wants to blame the Ukraine situation on Russia and not the United States, when it's so obvious that 
that the United States caused this war and deliberately caused the war. And you wonder, how is it that so many people can be so easily fooled? Who is behind it? How have they done it? Why did they do it? And uh, curiosity. And then I realized, well, I really can't pursue it. That says you've got more important things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wondered during the, uh, the COVID situation how you could use fear porn to paralyze people so they would willingly give up their liberty Everything. and their livelihoods. And people did. And so few people spoke out against it. And the, most of the people that spoke out against it did so on the basis of some stupid conspiracy and were idiots. So the only conclusion that I want to draw from all of this runs right back into why God doesn't want us to be conspiratorial. We collectively, as human beings, have devolved. We've lost our ability to exercise good judgment. We do not think rationally anymore. And as a result, we're struggling to make sane decisions. I just watched a, uh, um, a video of Jordan Peterson, uh, probably the world's foremost psychologist. And he wrote an article for The Telegraph. And he is explaining why he thinks that transgender is, uh, is very much like uh, the old Canaanite uh, religions and the old Carthaginian religions where they would sacrifice children to their gods. Now the gods are the egos of the progressives and how they're mutilating tens of thousands of young children. And how is it possible that he is a lone voice and that 99% of all others uh, actually want to encourage this? We've lost our ever-loving minds. And Mm -hmm. this is a serious issue to us because we only have one tool. Yahweh only approaches us one way, evidence and reason through his words. If you can't process evidence and reason, if you can't be rational, if you can't think, if words don't resonate within you, then it is impossible to know God, to form a relationship with him, to be reconciled unto him, to approach him or enter heaven. It's impossible. And so these issues are important to us. And it comes full circle on conspiracy because if you are prone to believe such stupidity, then you have done what Yahweh said. You have determined your own fate by listening to misguided individuals. You have chosen to excommunicate yourself from God. There will be no religious people in heaven. There will be no overtly political people in heaven. There will be no conspirators in heaven. Of these things, you can be certain. I do not want you to continually or consistently speak of conspiracies, of covert plans to carry out illegal or harmful acts as part of an alliance, conscious and planned defiance of government treason from Kashar, to associate for a political or religious purpose, conspiring to spellbind others, controlling them through deceitful means, 
try, tying things together in a scripted fashion to advance a political agenda. For everything or anything by which, by association, the people continue to claim that is a conspiracy. And in addition, do not respect or revel in that which concerns them, wondering about or fearing them. Oh, can you imagine all those income poops that are absolutely convinced that the condensation trails out of the backs of jet airplanes at 31,000 feet are chemtrails and they're mind-altering substances put in the fuel somehow to mm-hmm. control people and and you're afraid of that stuff you're concerned I'm about mad. that stuff mm-hmm. uh, it's insane that says just don't do it just don't respect them away. don't revel in them yeah. don't be concerned about them don't respect them don't fear them Isaiah Yeshayah 12 God is opposed to us committing, or opposed to us commingling, I should say, integrating, mm-hmm. associating his testimony with conspiratorial myths, regardless if they are religious, social, or political. He doesn't even give us the latitude for saying, it's okay for you to promote them if they're true. You just can't promote them if they're untrue. He just says, don't go there. He does not want anyone using his good name and revelations to infer that conspiracies are credible. The validity of what he has to say is degraded when surrounded by such stupidity. In other words, if you want to promote conspiracy theories, Refrain from speaking about God. If you want to converse with Yahweh, do not pursue conspiracy. Yeah. Back 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. which was my last uh, in-depth dig on conspiracy, which I'm glad I did because I'm glad I was a Christian. I'm I'm embarrassed about it. Uh, I'm glad I was political. I'm embarrassed by it. And you might say, how can you be embarrassed and glad at the same time? For the same reason that God chose to use Moshe, because he was the one person that knew the harmful nature of the caste system of Mitzrayim, Egypt, of their politics, of their religion. He was the one person that knew it and had rejected it, and therefore he was the ideal person not only to draw the children of Israel out of it and from it, but to contrast what Yahweh was offering to what man had compelled. And so by having done this last deep dive 10, 15 years ago, I came to know that they're mush. Even the one that has the greatest likelihood of of there being some truth to it, it becomes so amorphous that it's like jello flowing through the fingers of your hand. The harder you try to squeeze it, the more it just squishes right Mm -hmm. on through. So what I learned is it's a waste of time. And let's just say that uh, Yahweh wasn't right 
and that my pursuit of the great conspiracy theory, the grand unification theory of, of all conspiracies, devolved into a credible answer that I could explain and prove. So what? So what? What would it get you? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. If I spend the same time translating Yahweh's testimony, and I said, this is what God said, this is what he's offering, this is what he's expecting in return, then those who Bingo. listen to that get everything. So I learned my lesson. I know many have not. And every time that I speak against conspiracies, which I'm simply reiterating what God said, um, I do, uh, my end basket has a tendency to fill up with uh, hate letters, but, but how can you be against UFOs? But how can you be against uh, Building 7? But how can you be pro-vaccine? You notice that when I talked about COVID being uh, this, uh, it's not a hoax, it was um, the government response to COVID where they restricted liberty and livelihood and said that this is going to be counterproductive. Um, I uh, did not say that the vaccine was counterproductive. I took three no. of them. My wife is uh, about to take her fourth. Um, I stopped taking them because, well, uh, the COVID virus has done what all viruses do. It has become so contagious that it cannot be avoided. And, uh, and its mortality rate has continue to drop. It's what all viruses do to survive. And so um, I think at one time, in fact, the proof, the evidence was overwhelming at one time, particularly with the Delta variant, that it would keep you out of the hospital if you got COVID. And it would mm -hmm. no likely prevent you from giving it. Uh, but uh, over time, uh, that changed. So it had a role initially. It, um, in my view, it has a very minor role at, uh, at this point. With regard to Yahweh, you should set apart. That's making the point. That that is that's the point I'm trying to make here. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it. God said that's the comparison. Okay. If you're into Focus these conspiracies, me. it will suck your life right into them and suck you away from God. With regard to your time, it's Yahweh who you should be looking at as special, set apart. Don't include him in anything which is profane or mundane. You know another word for profane? Common. You know another word mm -hmm. for common? Every day. Popular. What are the two most popular human contrivances? All time. Religion and religion, politics. politics. Those are the two. Yeah. Uh, conspiracy now is number three. No, religion, no, no. politics, and conspiracy. Those are the yeah. three. Three most popular things that man has uh, ever conceived. God's saying, don't look at me as being common or popular. I'm not common. I'm not popular. I am Kodesh. So therefore, I'm not religious, and I'm not political, and I'm not conspiratorial. Oh. But you see, that's how we are being asked to think. You can just read these statements and not get that. You say, well, he's uh, set apart. What in the hell does that mean? 
Well, set apart means that Yahweh is not conspiratorial because conspiracy is popular. He is not political because, well, politics is common. He's not religious because it's the single most pervasive influence on humankind for all of recorded history. And him you should wonder about. It's him you should wonder about. You should be in awe of. You should respect. Not your conspiracy or the talking head on some stupid video that reinforces what you want to hear. And him you should be concerned about and inspired by. The conspirators, the way that they reinforce themselves is they isolate themselves uh, among those they will listen to. They very seldom read anything. Uh, It's all videos uh, where it is essentially impossible to do any fact-checking. Their their idea of fact-checking a video is to watch another video. Uh, (laughs) And there there is no validation of any of this. And the whole concept of how you promote a conspiracy is you take something of, if there's a a million points of interest and details in a particular story. And and to understand that story, you need to understand which of those details is important and relevant and which are not. And the conspiracy will take five of those dots of the million dots, most of which are the least relevant. And they will make, pull them out of context, disregard the million dots that were relevant, focus only on the irrelevant, and make ridiculous connections between those things. It's so far worse like than cherry Yes, that's what they do. That's it. Don't do that. Instead, focus on me. Be concerned about me. Wonder about and respect what I have to say. Be inspired by me. Not that nincompoop on the video. Words like mora and arats are similar to yare. Uh, be in awe of, respect, wonder about is mora. And be inspired by and be concerned about was arats in this uh, statement in Yashe Isaiah 8.13. They're very similar to uh, yare, such that they convey reverence or fear, respect or dread, inspiration or anxiety all depending on the individual's perspective and their circumstance. Mm -hmm. Those who come to know and respect Yahweh, we revere him. We're inspired by him. I love him. I'm entertained by him. I learned from him. I'm liberated by him. I'm empowered and enriched by him. It's, it's the best relationship in the world. Uh, I'm happiest when I'm sitting here reading and translating and commenting on his words because it's like he's right here with me because he is. And it's so educational, enlightening, enlightening inspiring, uplifting. So you wonder why, why people choose not Yahweh, because the, the things that men offer are exactly the opposite. Now, while those who reject Yahweh, preferring conspiracy, religion, or politics, 
will ultimately come to dread the consequence of being judged by Yah. Simply stated, respect him, or you will come to fear him. Yahweh's words serve us, or they work against us, depending on our response to them. The Torah provides the means to participate in the covenant for those who accept them, but for those who reject his testimony, God will cite his testimony to judge them particularly Jews who've had the Torah available to them in their native tongue mm-hmm. the longest time. So then he will become as a sanctuary, uh, Mikash, a tabernacle, a set-apart place from Kadash, that which is uncommon. But he will be a stone, uneven, for smiting. And as a rock for stumbling, for both houses of Israel, there is a trap and as a snare for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And then many shall stumble upon them and fall. And they will be captured, they will be broken and controlled by others. It's happened just that way. Uh, religious Jews between their Talmud and Mishnah and Zohar and the rabbis' pontifications, uh, they're tripping all over themselves. They've been ensnared, and particularly in Jerusalem. And yet for those of us who value his words, love his words, learn from his words, are guided by his words. He is a set-apart place, our sanctuary. Israel would be ruled by others, Kirk, for the what, next mm-hmm. 2,700 years. Their overlords would, yeah, would uh, con- include what the, after the Egyptians, Mitzrayim, was the Assyrians, the Babylonians, oh, the Greeks, imperial Romans, oh, they were special. The Roman Catholics may be the worst of all. Arab Muslims, Ottoman Muslims, finally the British. And that's at home. That's at home apart from the diaspora. They would have no one to blame but themselves. They had turned Yahweh. Had they turned to Yahweh, had they relied on Yahweh, rather than Judaism, he would have provided a safe sanctuary just as he has for us. We have a similar choice to the one afforded to the northern kingdom back here, 740 BCE. Religion or the covenant relationship? Government or God? Military or the Mikre? Treaties or the Torah? Make your choice. You can choose to be confident because Joe is confident. (laughs) Sorry. Give me a break. You can be confident because you know Yahweh. Yes. I'm going to go with the latter. I think I'll go with Yahweh. That's that's my recommendation. Good, good. I'll, go. I'll, I'll take it. Okay. 
The two houses of Israel address the divisions and, of course, the infighting between the northern kingdom, known collectively as Ephraim, to Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was led by Yahudah, Judah. A split, it occurred following uh, King Solomon over the um, hundred or so years. In fact, from the time of King Solomon to the time that that uh, both Israel and Yahudah would fall is 400 years. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 400 years, same amount of time they were in Mitzrayim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, first the Northern Kingdom would fall in about 300 years. But, you know, keep in mind that that, that 300 years after uh, Solomon, that they, uh, between the, the fall of the Northern Kingdom of 10 of the 12 tribes, uh, and the 8th century BCE being hauled off to uh, into captivity. Uh, in the midst of that, you know, you have the you have Israel being its own worst enemy. There were a long period of time where Israel did not need an external foe. Now, if you look at their government right now, they most certainly don't need to be bothered with any external foe. No, they can self destruct whenever they want look, to. Look over their shoulder at the next person sitting uh, as a member of the Knesset or the rabbi uh, down the street, yeah. and uh, they've, they've got more foes than they know what to do with. Well, the split occurred following uh, King Solomon, and Solomon started off well. God loved him. God, um, you know, said that he was exceedingly wise, that he made very good decisions. And then uh, he made a really bad decision. Uh, the bad decision he made was that um, uh, Pretty Pretty got uh, dominated his life. I like Pretty Pretty, too. Uh, Goyles are wonderful. But one girl is great. Uh I, I'm just not on board. I'm just not on board with having uh, more than one wife. Uh, you know, I'm not going to condemn somebody because you know monogamy is not uh, a concept taught in the uh, the Torah. You know, I, in fact, uh, most recently I wrote a a page and a chapter on God's idea of uh, of marriage and what He actually has to say about it and of, uh, of divorce. And it, it's it's not the uh, the Christian Western interpretation no. by a million miles. Nothing in common with it. But uh, we're we're in a a situation where you know, Solomon. Well, one pretty pretty was not enough for him. Not, I'm not even sure a hundred were enough for him. And 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 unfortunately, uh, he did the opposite of what uh, I uh, I did uh, here as I was uh, given my liberty to choose again, uh, I ended up uh, marrying somebody who I valued for her intellect. Now, the rest of it is pretty pretty, but the fact of the matter is the attraction was intellectual. Uh, Solomon's attraction was obviously only skin deep because far too many of his wives were pagans. And Mm -hmm. to keep uh, harmony amongst all of these fighting women, he uh, introduced many pagan religious ideas into Israel. And that over time, they got to be worse and worse. And that is what led to the dissolution 
and the uh, ultimate split and annihilation, really, of Israel was religion. And it all happened uh, because of, uh, of the decisions that Solomon made in pursuing women from uh, um, religious families. It's always religion, isn't it? It, it is. is. Always. Yeah. Well, occasionally it's politics. But well, it's sometimes, politics, but that's a, yeah. a bedfellow. You know, yeah, and you know, if you if you look at human history, uh, there really is no significant period of time where there is a uh, a real separation between religion and politics. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, America likes to think that it is uh, that it is modeled Church after imperial, not imperial yeah. Rome, but the Roman Republic, and we use the term Senate, for example. Uh, we mm-hmm. have the uh, the Eagle. We have Capitol Hill. Uh, we have so many Roman uh, concepts in our, oh, yeah. uh, in our government. Uh, we even write on our currency in Latin, the language of uh, Rome. Uh, and our buildings are Romanesque, um, and our temples are Romanesque. Uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is that, uh, that Rome uh, imposed their religion. And chief of the religiosity of Rome is that the emperor wasn't just God's representative. He was a God. That's exactly what the case was in Mitzrayim, which we now call Egypt. Uh, In Rome, in Greece, Alexander considered himself a God. The Carthaginian king was a God. The Babylonian king... uh, told people to worship him. The Assyrian kings did the same. This integration between religion and politics with the king uh, authorizing the one lone religion and the one lone religion authorizing the one king is, as you've said, it's, they're integrated. It's the opposite side of the same coin. They, there's really no time where we have been, um, been free of it. And it's as close as we can be today at a time when politics has become a religious affair. People put their faith in it. They believe in it. They promote it and are zealots of it as if it were a religion. And conspiracy has become a belief system. Uh, So these things are one and the same. And God is constantly harping at them. And because religion is the most poisonous of them does the most damage to the relationship with Yahweh, it is public enemy number one. So the consequence of this, of course, is explained by the prophet Hosea, Hosea, through whom Yahweh revealed that both houses had broken his covenant and were no longer his children. He divorced them, and uh, it's going to be a long time still, a short time from our perspective now, before Mm -hmm. he reconciles that relationship. And when you read, as we will one day, uh, in this chapter on what transpired in the Jezreel Valley, you're going to find that, uh, yeah, there's a reason that God had to divorce him. You know, even in the most glorious moment, the most glorious moment in the, uh, in the history of the Jezreel Valley is Deborah. And 
Yahweh, you know, it begins with Yahweh said, you know, I, I gave the children of Israel, the Israelites, uh, to the Canaanite uh, so they'd have a timeout because uh, I couldn't tolerate them anymore. But, uh, well, wouldn't you know it, the Canaanite became really belligerent and started uh, abusing them. And uh, I, I just wanted them to have a timeout. I didn't want to sanction their abuse. And so Yahweh spoke to a woman who happened to be a Shaphat, a judge, and also a prophet. Her name was Deborah. And uh, Deborah, uh, which is a name based upon the word, uh, Debar, rallied Mm -hmm. Yisrael. And Yisrael spanked big time the uh, the king of the Canaanites. As a matter of fact, a woman killed him, the king. Uh, So that was the high water water mark. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, by the time you get to uh, Gideon and and many of the issues with Gideon also take place in the Jezreel Valley, but God had to find one person that he could talk to. And even him, he wasn't listening. You got to go all through stuff like, all right, we're going to have the fleece. You know, Gideon was telling us, oh, can, you, can, you really prove, can you do it one more time? Okay. Uh, you want me to do what? Okay, I know what you prove it. Who are you really? You know, burn this up, bring this meal up. Oh my goodness! That. And then yeah. you know, the whole thing of lapping the yeah. water to find how many people in the whole country uh, can be trusted. Uh, darn few. You know, by the time you get to to Elia, and Yah says, "All right, among Please. the millions of people that are Israelites today, Elia, you know how many of them haven't bowed their knee to Baal, the Lord." 7,000. He didn't say 7,000 are in the covenant. He didn't say 7,000 know me. He didn't say 7,000 are are ready to go. He just said there's only (laughs) 7,000 that aren't religious. Bowing down to the Lord who is Satan. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes. And today... You know, there may be 7,000 Yisraelites who haven't uh, bowed to uh, the Lord's influence in religion, politics, or conspiracy. But apart from the Yadaya series of translations and insights, I don't think there's a single Yehudim that knows Yahweh, apart from what we've done and what Yahweh has done through this work. Speaking of this work, if you are listening to this program and it's, uh, you've stumbled on it, some friend told you to listen to it, go to yadayah.com, Y-A-D-A. It means to know, to acknowledge, to be familiar with, to understand. Yah. Yah is the familiar form of Yahweh's name. You can go to yadayah.com or yadayahwa, which is the full pronunciation of God's name, .com will take you to the same place. Uh, there you will find that we are selling nothing. There will be no donate uh, button. There's nothing for you to belong to, join, support. There is nothing, for, no way for you to give us any money. We wouldn't take it. We don't even have a means to solicit it. Uh, every book that we have written and rewritten and published is available free online in their entirety. They're available for pennies under the electronic forms at, uh, at Amazon. They're available for the publishing, the printing, and shipping cost only with no royalty to us, uh, and uh, paperbacks and hardbacks should you prefer that. But you will see well over 20 volumes 
of, uh, of translations and analysis and insights into who Yahweh is, what he is offering, what he expects in return, and how you can develop a relationship with God, how you can come to know him, how you can prove his existence, uh, and how you can be liberated and empowered and enriched by him. Uh, that is all at yadayah.com. And I thank uh, David in particular for making that available, and Jackie yeah. and her team of, uh, of editors and, the, and publishers for the, uh, the books that are available uh, through uh, Amazon. Um, what a group. Yes. Yep. And matter of fact, I got uh, today uh, arrived uh, volume seven. Uh, it's called uh, wow. Shana Years. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's so full of, uh, of marvelous insights. Matter of fact, the material we're reviewing right now is uh, in mm-hmm. that volume. So it's uh, Shana Years. It's available free on the, uh, the website, um, which you can read on a tablet, a laptop, uh, a monitor, or on your phone. Um, Yadayah.com. Uh, there's also there you'll find our community and all the social uh, uh, outreach. Please uh, support and help uh, Dee and, uh, and Leah uh, in particular as they work uh, to expand the outreach through uh, social media, uh, something we've only engaged in in the last four or five months but has made a, a tremendous difference. Um, and, of course, there are many who promote these programs and make the archives available and we thank them uh, for doing that as well there is an affiliated site too that i, I would like to mention uh, uh david who is the webmaster now of uh of yadayad.com has an affiliated site you'll see it uh on the community it's the uh, second uh site uh listed right after the social media outreach and if you click on that site you'll notice that on the far right of his site there is an index. Uh, it's something that we'll eventually have on uh, the Yada Yada site as well. But it's an index. So you can go to just the, uh, the book that uh, Yahweh inspired. So you can click on uh, Dabadim, which is uh, <laughs> Deuteronomy. It means words. And you will see every passage in Dabadim that we have translated, what volumes <laughs> we have translated them. You can click on it. It brings you right to the, uh, the volumes where they may be uh, amplified or in summary form. Uh, and it, it's just a marvelous way to look something up to say, hey, did we ever really uh, do a translation on, on, uh, on how wonderful Deborah is and her influence? And I, I knew her story really well, so I said, I must have translated this. I went directly to uh, that site to say, okay, where did I translate the story of, uh, of Deborah and the fact of the matter uh, is I hadn't. And so uh, now I'm, I'll spend my next uh, two or three days going into, it's in the book of Shaphat of Judges, telling the story of, uh, of Deborah because it's, it's inspiring. And I wanted to tell this story too because uh, so many of the, uh, of the most devoted people within the covenant family are women. And, Mm-hmm. Deborah is such a marvelous role model. And there's some interesting women, of course, in the Torah. Uh, you know, we learn that uh, both Adam and, uh, and Chawa are scallywags. So it's not a, not a case of, of the religious blaming uh, Chawa for leading uh, Adam astray. Adam is actually the uh, instigator 
and he's the one that isolated uh, Chawa and failed in his responsibility to teach and instruct her what Yahweh had said, which uh, set up this whole problem in the first place in the, uh, in the garden. But it makes both of them very interesting characters. Uh, we don't know enough of, uh, a lot about Noah's uh, wives, uh, wife and his children's wives, but nonetheless, she had to be one remarkable individual for that to all of her. But when it comes to the the mother of the covenant, like Yisrael is based on Sarah's name. Uh, And in the story of of the formation of the covenant, uh, Abraham is not a good guy. Yahweh chose him because he was the only person willing to listen to him who had already walked away from uh, the religion and politics of Babel of Babylon, but I, he is, uh, he does a lot of stuff that's really reprehensible. But the person who is always interesting is Sarah. She's the mother of the covenant. Uh, in many ways, she represents the set-apart spirit. So the, an extraordinary woman and, uh, and, the, and her life. <coughs> Ruth is uh, the person who brought my wife uh, uh, here, if it wasn't for Ruth. And, uh, and following Ruth, uh, I don't think she would have ever found uh, Yahweh. But Deborah is a uh, is an extraordinary woman, and how she rallied uh, the people by being a judge, a shafat, a decider, and a prophet, someone who spoke for Yahweh and willing to give Yahweh credit. So there are some interesting characters along the way, and uh, we're going to tell. Deborah's story now on behalf of uh, all the women of the uh, of the covenant. Anyway, Kirk, we have long uh, reached the end of our our broadcast part of our program uh, today. Uh, this is still being recorded, but might be a good mm-hmm. place for us to stop, and we'll pick their story up. Okay. Uh, this time next week. Well, yeah. The yes. one thing I did not say uh, uh, tonight is the reason we are in uh, the eighth chapter of Yeshayah. And the reason we're there is because this chapter that we're, that the translations are found is in a volume called Shana Years. It is God's calendar. And God's calendar, surprisingly for most, revolves mm-hmm. around a singular individual. Stowed. His life mm-hmm. was 3,000 years from the uh, exit to the exodus from uh, Eden to our return, and it's 3,000 years from his return as we come back to Eden. He's the centerpiece of the calendar. Sure. And uh, one of the mis- misunderstood prophecies uh, that actually names Dode in the midst of it, but is then confiscated by Christians on behalf of, uh, of Jebus, uh, mm-hmm. is Yeshaya 9, 6, and 7. And one of the things that we've learned, Kirk, a long time ago is that if you want to understand what, what is being taught, you really yes. need to review things in context. And so we mm-hmm. began with, with Yashaya 8 so that we could review that prophecy in context and we'd know who is God is speaking to, who he is trying to reconcile his relationship with, who is it that he is offering us. Who is the son? Who is that child? Who is the strong man? Who is the one who speaks on behalf of the father? 
who is the wonderful counselor? And it is in this context that, well, not only do we not understand do. who it is, but, but the yeah. person is actually named in the midst of the prophecy. So it really shouldn't have been all that hard. But nonetheless, <laughs> I don't think there's five people in the last 2,000 years who have said, oh, by the way, the person that's being spoken of here is the person who is named here. It is Dote. We're, we are... Uh, moving in that direction so we can review that in context and also because one of the things we've learned after doing this for 20 years is that yeah was a wonderful teacher and you've got to give him the opportunity to teach us and so the way that you do that is you don't just pluck one little thing out of context you give him the time to build his story yes to establish the characters and to weave the tale because that's when it all resonates and becomes part of who you are. That's when you understand it. Okay, my friend. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure as always to uh, be able to share Yah's word and to be together again. I'm glad you, uh, you're back with us and um, I'm feeling you. good. We'll be back this time uh, next week. May Yah bless Look you all. Look forward again. to it. Good night. Good night. Oh, somebody found the uh, the Jordan Peterson article. They posted it in the chat room. 